Welcome to Chasing Hermes, the pursuit of Mercury, with your hosts, Sean and Jason. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Chasing Hermes. I'm Jason. I'm Sean. How are you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm doing excellent. I'm very excited about this show, Jason. I know, I know. So last week we talked about the Corpus Hermeticum. Yeah, good yeah, times, how, good times had by Good times, how could we forget? The very first book of the Corpus Hermeticum is called The Pymander, mm-hmm. right? And if you remember, it's this uh, pseudonymous author who calls himself Hermes, and he's got this vision of the Pymander, the noose or the mind of, of the universe, and he has it by having a dream. He says he basically falls into a slumber, not completely unlike the kind of sleep you would have after having too much food or or when you're really, really tired in the body. And uh, he has this sort of theophany or divine premonition. Right. And uh, this seems to be a very common occurrence in in mystical literature. Yes, it seems mankind does their best work while they're sleeping. Wouldn't it be cool if we could, like, maintain awareness while we were sleeping and wakefulness while we were in bed? Uh, the best of both worlds. As our listeners will already know, because they have seen the title of this podcast, and uh, as I know, you've done a lot of... Uh, experimentation into the world of astral projection and the world of lucid dreaming. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, probably was the number one interest that first really drew me to the mysteries, drew me to the occult, uh, were early experiences of of lucid dreams, not-a-body experiences, and then trying to uh, uncover what that was and, and how some of the things I experienced sort of related to uh, my everyday experience. So what you're saying is that before you got into mysticism, you had experiences while at sleep that you couldn't quite explain. Yeah, and sometimes I wasn't even sure if I was asleep or not. Ah. All right, so you've made all these experiences. So so what's what's your definition based on your experiences of what astral projection really is? Yeah, so, you know, there's different terms that people use. Um to relate to to a set of experiences that are all uh, quite similar but uh, may have subtle differences. All right, so astral projection is the one commonly heard of. Um, also, you know, these are very similar to lucid dreams. Another term, traveling in the spirit vision and out of body experiences, and and basically all of these, to put simply, are projecting one's mode of perception out of the physical body and into the realm of the mind or the realm of the outer spheres, that which is outside of the physical body. So what you're saying is that all of these, projection of the sphere, lucid dreaming and traveling in the spirit vision and out-of-body experiences, that they're all similar experiences, they're similar um, phenomenon that, that have the same sort of root mechanics, is what you're saying? They all relate to experiences where a person is sensing things that are going on around them, and many times indistinguishable from a physical reality. However, uh, they know, or they may not know, but they're not currently exploring that world from their physical body, but rather in either an astral body or a dream body. Uh, in lucid dreams, this would be a dream body uh, or just the vantage point from which you are dreaming. And in a lucid dream, this is the type of dream where you know you're dreaming. And at the moment that you realize that you're dreaming, a sort of a, a new sort of awareness kicks in where you become super conscious 
in a what is normally a subconscious dream. And so in this lucid experience, uh, people describe the ability to take control and to kind of move about their dreams as they as they see fit and, and will things to happen that would normally go on in a subconscious manner. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, sure, sure. It's kind of like when you when you dream and you go, wouldn't it be cool if I could fly right now? Yeah. And then you start flying. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and, then, and then sometimes those dreams sort of develop into this hyper-realistic experience that where where everything is just so real yeah exactly and the more you focus in on things that are going on in that dream world the more those objects start to take on a life of their own it's a very interesting experience Uh, but typically in these lucid dream experiences uh, the characters within the dreams are usually pretty autonomous and and pretty dumb by uh, normal standards. And this is one of the signs that you're really still just within your subconscious dream world. But it's still a type of astral projection. It's a type of awareness going on outside of your physical body. So what you're saying is that the characters in your dreams um, are basically just sock puppets of, of my imagination. I'm, I'm basically having a, uh, a conversation with a part of myself that is just apparently cut off from my conscious mind. Yeah, and and it's kind of funny because they're you know, they they act independently, but they're very limited. So it, it's interesting. I uh, I remember when I first started having lucid dreaming experiences and I was so floored that I knew I was dreaming. I was going around telling everybody, "Do you realize that I'm having a dream?" and you know, they would stop mumbling what they were mumbling and then they would just kind of stare blankly at me. And then go on saying exactly what they were. So they couldn't acknowledge uh, the same consciousness that I was acknowledging or the same consciousness that I would expect if I were to have a conversation with you. Um, so I found this very limiting and I, you know, I knew that there had to be a way of breaking out of the dream world and exploring sort of the astral planes or those realms that are outside of your own subjective experience. So this led me to start studying more and more about astral projection and, and, uh, and out-of-body experiences. So basically what you're saying is that you, you had these dreams, but you were frustrated with the limits of the experience that you could have within your own microcosm. And you knew instinctively that there must be a way to break out of your microcosm in that dream state and enter into the macrocosm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so in in the studies, you know, we were led to uh, another type of experience called uh, traveling in the spirit vision. This is Uh, the term used in the Golden Dawn circles. And traveling in the spirit vision, although many people use it just generically to refer to all types of astral projection, I prefer to think of it as a type of waking conscious projection. So it's a way of once you have attuned your, your psychic senses through the power and alchemy of initiation and sort of gone through that spiritual journey, you can sort of close off your conscious awareness of your bodily senses and without going into too deep of a sleep um, and from just a, a light trance be able to project your awareness and consciousness into higher realms and you know that would be one mode of projecting your projecting your consciousness and this could simply be uh, through practices such as path working or psychic experiments where you're trying to project your consciousness into another room to to see what's going on in there. 
Oh, that's interesting. They, were you talking there about traveling in the spirit vision and rising the planes and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Because that really relates to the Corpus Medicum in that uh, here we have an account of a ladder of ascent, essentially, mm-hmm. um, through the seven spheres and into the eighth and the ninth. And uh, wouldn't this be a really interesting way of doing just that? Right, and, and that's the practical aspect. I mean, that would be one reason why a, an individual would want to learn how to astrally project or learn how to travel in the spirit vision is because by doing so, you can embark on these alchemical journeys that uh, are mentioned as far back as the the Corpus Hermeticum. You know, by traveling to specific realms, you can a gather specific types of information from whatever entities may reside there. But b merely by rising in a plane and spending some time in that realm, you can undergo an alchemical transformation. It's it's as though it affects your own energy centers uh, or your chakras or your energy body or however you describe it. Um, it somehow transforms you so that, um, you know, I could see easily what they were talking about in the Corpus Hermeticum when it stated um, how going through these seven spheres would then enable a person to, to purify and to... Uh, to enable them to get to that state where they can rise to those spheres which are beyond human understanding. Another mode of astral projection is one being written about a lot, and that's the out-of-body experience. Again, this, you know, usually these writings began with uh, near-death experiences or, or people experiencing, you know, the, the tunnel of light when they're about to die, and they have an awareness of being outside of their body, perhaps in the emergency room during a surgery. Uh, and and this is sort of the first experience where science began to, where modern science began to uh, discuss and, and, and talk about this phenomenon. But out-of-body experience has since been, been written about by various authors as with different techniques on how to accomplish these. And these are m- more akin to what I would call a full separation uh, astral projection. So what do you mean by that? Well, to differentiate it between the traveling and the spirit vision, where you still may have a light awareness of your physical body, and you're not in a trance that's so deep that you've, you've gotten into that state of slumber to where all of your senses can fully be manifested in an external body of awareness. In a full separation astral projection, that's exactly what you're doing. You're manifesting all of your physical senses outside of your physical body so that you can hear, see, taste, smell, just like you would in the physical, and it becomes just as real. So there's a sliding scale, you might say, of how much you identify with your with your dream body, whereas on one side of the scale, you're still aware of your physical body, but you can sort of manipulate your dream body kind of like you would manipulate a character in a video game. Um, And on the other extreme side of the scale, you're completely unconscious of your physical body, whereas your dream body is, is almost super real. That's right. And in addition, there's another scale where you see where one pole on the axis is this level and degree that your senses are manifested in an external reality. The other is just the realm of that reality itself. How much is in a microcosmic realm and how much is in a macrocosmic realm. 
So we talked a little bit about uh, how we saw this uh, or what, what likely was referring to this type of, of experience or phenomena in the Corpus Hermeticum. Um, where else do you think might we find some, some writers or some mystics that may have experienced this, this state of out-of-body awareness? Well, I think it's prevalent in all of the mystery tradition, but you'll also find it in some almost unexpected places. Um, a lot of the early church fathers, they write about this kind of thing. Um, so St. Augustine, for example, in 415 AD, he writes of his friend Genadius, and um, he has an apparition. The apparition basically tells him that you're asleep right now. And, he, and the apparition asks him, so where do you think your body is? And Genadius says, ah, uh, in my bed. So what are the eyes then which, with which you see me? And while he hesitated, the youth or the apparition unfolded to him what he was endeavoring to teach him by these questions. And so he said, as while you're asleep and lying on your bed, these eyes of your body are now unemployed and doing nothing. And yet, while you have eyes with which you behold me and enjoy this vision, so after your death, while your bodily eyes shall be holy and active, there shall be in you a life by which you shall still live and a faculty of perception by which you shall still perceive. So basically, he had an out-of-body experience or, or an astral vision that was so real that it convinced him that his seeing and his perceiving had very little to do with his actual body, that the body was just a medium through which his seeing was possible in this plane. Right, and they, and they further used these types of experiences in that tradition to give proof of the afterlife, to give proof that it's not necessary that you see from your physical eyes in order to have sight, or to hear from your physical ears in order to, uh, to hear, but rather that this somehow was evidence to them, at least as individuals, um, for the afterlife. We do see how the early church fathers, especially here with St. Augustine, relates and, and speaks of these mystical experiences. And I do know of another, St. Teresa of Avila, who also employed uh, her experiences that she had uh, awareness out of the body in some of her own mystical teachings. What can you tell us about that? Well, she outlines a, a four-step ascent of the soul uh, in her uh, autobiography. And um, it is so deep that the consciousness of being inside your body disappears that's what she talks about um and you 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 lose your bodily senses you lose your memory and your emotions and your imagination and you're completely absorbed in inside this divine experience and you're intoxicated by this this rapture and um, she describes it as, as having body and spirit in the throes of a sweet, happy pain, alternating between a fearful, fiery glow and a complete impotence and an unconsciousness and so forth. And um, sometimes she describes how she's, she feels so ecstatic that her body feels like it's lifted into space. And um, in some cases, actually, it's... it's it's said about Teresa of Avila that she is one of the many flying saints <laughs> and uh, that she was literally lifted into space during these experiences, that, wow. that her, her trance was so deep that she literally levitated. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. 
I think you can interpret it as being um, removed or relieved from from the weight of the body uh, in a physical sense and also in a spiritual sense. And uh, St. Teresa of Avila is not the only saint that had these experiences. Um, did you know, for example, that the patron saints of pilots and air passengers is uh, St. Joseph of Cupertino? No. Tell me about him. Yeah, he was he was a Franciscan monk, and um, he he was one of the many people who who just meditate during mass and sometimes just <laughs> float off and they had to climb up on ladders to pull him down and he was always very very uh <laughs> he, he, he was very ashamed of these, these experiences oh there he goes again <laughs> yeah yeah because he was a very pious person um so he would just discreetly tie himself to the church <laughs> he, he would he would discreetly tie himself to the church bench where he was sitting that is excellent Mm. Wow. Can you imagine? That would be kind of an embarrassing problem to have. In St. Teresa's um, autobiography, she relates this experience to a passage in the Bible, um, which I know that you researched. I think it's uh, in Second Corinthians? Yeah, and I was actually very surprised to, to find this. I really didn't expect to see any real evidence um, or mention of out-of-body experience in biblical text. However, uh, you're right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'll start from verse 2. Paul's vision, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. So again, it's you know, there's this this concept of the third heaven. Who knows what that is? But for those who've had these experiences, um, you know, there definitely seems to be levels of spheres that you pass through, levels of different energy environments. And if they saw these as heavens, uh, it's easy to see how one could could talk about the second, the third, the fourth heaven. And when he says he's caught up in paradise, again, relating to that experience like Teresa of Avila has, where it's this state of pleasure and ecstasy. So that was very interesting to find that in, in the Bible. What I find really interesting is how they're just embracing these concepts as, as completely natural to a spiritual person. How somebody who is uh, mystically inclined will just naturally have this type of experience. Right. And there's nothing there's nothing devilish or, or evil about it. Sure. And I'm sure that uh, authors today will, uh, or scholars today would like to give um, their own interpretations of these passages or, or these experiences as, you know, different brain states or, or things of that nature. However, um, it, it's easy to see from those who've had these experiences how it relates to these writings. So it seems to me that when I'm about to enter into this type of experience, it's almost as if I'm going through different stages. Yes. Right? Right. There's definitely marked stages of the, and again, I'm going to uh, relate this to the full separation astral projection or the the out-of-body experience. Um, there are different stages that one will go through, um, and many people have experienced uh, this first stage. Have you ever had the feeling where you felt like you were awake, but you tried to move your body and you couldn't? 
sleep paralysis. Have you ever had that? Oh my God, so many times at university, you know, during yeah, and, class. <laughs> and most people hate that sensation. They feel as though they're trapped in the, or they're a prisoner in their own body. It can be very scary for some, time, for some people. But sleep paralysis is a state where the body is asleep and the mind is awake. And this stage can be used if you... Uh, allow yourself to relax can be used to separate your consciousness from your physical body while it sleeps and go off and do other cool things. Okay, so you're saying this is not something to be scared of and you're not going to like, you know, die or something just because you can't move your, your limbs. No, definitely. And, and you should get excited about sleep paralysis now because now you can say, oh, well, my body's paralyzed. Well, then now I should be able to easily uh, leave my body. And yeah. <laughs> And then and once you've had this, very often it starts feeling like, like you're on a vibrating bed. Right. So the, the vibrational state, as many authors refers to it, um, the vibrational state is that state where there's this state of imbalance between the mind and the body, where you're partially in your body, you're partially out of it, and, and a great sensation of vibrations start to move through you. You start feeling first like you're waving, and then you might start to hear humming or buzzing in your neck. You know, a deep, you know, some sound like that. Right. Um, and, you know, this state, again, is one that precedes, um, you know, just before you start to float up and get an airy feeling of leaving your body. And then there's the separation state. And again, this is where you start to feel as though parts of your body are separating, um, where you're, you know, you may feel your legs lifting up, uh, you may feel your arms lifting, and they take on a, a light, airy, floaty feeling as opposed to the rest of your body, which is going to feel very heavy, you know, almost like lead. You know, there are various techniques that people use during the separation stage, but eventually it, it results in the entire. Uh, awareness of the body having been separated from the physical. Then you find yourself in your room or wherever it is that, that you've been uh, doing this exercise. And uh, that's the beginning of your out-of-body journey. Cool. Yeah. And another way that people can start this journey of astral projection is to start with lucid dreaming. You know, lucid dreaming is something that most people have had some experience of. Um, but they haven't really worked with developing it. But if you learn what it's like to be in a lucid dream, and you learn how to control yourself in that realm, then you start to develop an awareness of what it would be like to leave your body. Um, and then from there, you can start working on other techniques of you know, what's called the wake-induced lucid dream or um, you know, other separation techniques. That's 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 excellent. So so at this point you can really start exploring. Exactly. Whether it's within your own microcosm or uh, eventually venturing out into the macrocosm, that that's up to your own ability and and aspiration, I suppose. Yeah, and while you're out, there are um, you know obviously you can do anything, right? That's the cool part. You can go anywhere. You can um, you can do anything, and all it takes is conscious focus. See, this is the hard part that most people, you know, they spend years just trying to leave their body and achieve the separation. But once you're out, um, 
what you find is that separation was almost the easy part, that now just maintaining conscious awareness becomes the difficult part. Because if you lose your consciousness, if you lose focus, then the world around you will start to fade away and you'll either drift off into sleep, you know, a different state of trance, um, you'll drift off into sleep, or you will wake up. Uh-huh. And either way, this is not desirable because you don't get to do all the cool things. So either you'll you'll just drift off into a regular type of dream experience or you'll snap back into uh, wakefulness. Right, yeah. So some of the techniques you can use are uh, I like to spin around while I'm out of my body. Uh, if, if I feel my consciousness starting to fade, I'll you know stare at my hands or or shout, you know, clarity now. You know, these are these are the things that are, you know, really good tools while you're out there just to, to trigger lucidity. Um, and you can do this actually uh, in your waking state. You know, there even when you're awake, many times you're not lucid, right? Have you ever had that awareness, the difference between going about your day like a robot and going about your day truly lucid to everything that's going on around you? Oh, yeah. I strive for that. I strive for having that experience every day. Right. And, and it, you know, it, it feels like when I do this type of exercise, also my, my waking state is a lot more switched on. It's a lot more activated. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if my everyday life experience takes on new dimensions of what I'm able to perceive. Definitely, yeah. And that's, I think, one of the benefits of practicing astral projection is that as a byproduct, you begin to live your life more fully while you're awake. You start to really value lucidity and value a clear experience throughout your day. And it feels fantastic. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So although uh, this, you know, this podcast isn't really uh, designed to be a how-to on how to uh, astral project, there's lots of good sources. We'll put some really good links up on uh, ChasingHermes.com. And we'd love to hear your guys' feedback on uh, any techniques that you may have. Uh, I'll just mention, you know, some of the ways that you can start to, you know, do this investigation on how to learn to astral project. Um, You know, one way I mentioned was, you know, learning about lucid dreaming and how to lucid dream. Another way is uh, there's a really good source on the internet. We'll put the link on our our site, but he goes into how to achieve the out-of-body experience through sleep paralysis. And there's a lot of uh, really good self-hypnosis techniques out there and really good induction CDs. Um, so these are good, like as you're drifting off to sleep, you can listen to these uh, induction CDs and you know really get a good feel as you're drifting uh, for this sort of in-between state. Some people tend to really respond well to having a voice telling you how to visualize these things and how to move from one state to the next. Definitely, most definitely. And then there's the another common practice of you know, what I call the uh, sensation rehearsal, which is where you, uh, you set up different objects you know, around your house 
and you know you you lay in your bed and then you get up and pretend as though you were having an out of body experience and you go around to the different rooms and you pick up the objects and you really sense them and you get a good feel for them and you move on to the next one and then you do this until you you know you return back into your bed and lie down and then what you do as you're drifting off to sleep is you begin to recreate this journey you recreate it and you experience as much and as fully as you can that short journey as you're drifting off to sleep. And as you drift to sleep, you tell yourself, you know, I will leave my body. I am now leaving my body or my body is asleep, my mind is awake, you know, certain affirmations like that. And what happens is um, if you practice this enough, you may find yourself actually out of your body so it's it's pretty good pretty good technique and uh, that was one that i started with uh, early on so like i said we'll we'll put some really cool sources on chasinghermes.com so so what can you use this for we we mentioned how saints have used this technique to contemplate the nature of god and to immerse themselves in a divine ecstasy and we mentioned how pymander instructed hermes to use similar techniques to ascend through the seven spheres in a type of cleansing. Mm -hmm. So what other uses do you see for this technique? Well, first and foremost, it's, it's a great adventure, right? I mean, while you are out of your body and you're out into these, these astral planes, um, you know, the freedom is just awe-inspiring, you know, that there's no limits anymore, that the limit is your mind. You know, if you believe you can fly while out of your body, you can fly. If you believe that you can uh, transcend worlds, you can transcend worlds. You know, one of my first uh, awarenesses was just that there really are intelligences outside of our normal awareness. You see, the possibilities really are only limited by our imagination. You know, once you find yourself out of your body, there's ways of, you know, communicating with intelligences, ways of traveling to other realms and worlds. There's even the chance of seeing into your own future. Fantastic. The sky really is the limit. And maybe not even that. <laughs> not even that. Not, not right. even that. It's amazing. Well, Sean, I've uh, I've really learned something today, and that is did that you, Jason? I did, yeah. Um, I really learned that these experiences of being outside of the body and having these kinds of dreams that just transcend not only physical reality but spiritual reality as well. That it's really part and parcel with the mystical tradition that we follow, and that we can trace it back, you know, several thousand years back into time, and that there's nothing unattainable about it that with hard work and determination you can have it too excellent and maybe yeah. one day levitate during a church service uh, yeah yeah although you know you have to remember to be embarrassed about it right yeah, tie well. yourselves down kids <laughs> wear your seat belt in church <laughs> uh, wow well I, I i certainly feel we covered a lot of ground today um and uh, quite some air as well well, hopefully we were able to uh, cover on some of these topics, and I know it's a lot to cover in one episode. We're just really trying to wet your whistle here, and we'll uh, put some more links and resources on our site. Join us again in our next episode of Chasing Hermes, and we'll see you in your dreams. Visit our website at www.chasinghermes.com or send us an email at 
info at chasinghermes.com. To inquire about the Western mystery tradition, please visit www.western-mysteries.com.